And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. This is a letter to the church in Corinth. And he is, the very first statement, he is quoting some, something somebody in that culture said. He said, I have the right to do anything, in quotation marks. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for both the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm not referring to to the other person's conscience. I, I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I take part... In a meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example is I follow the example of Christ. Father, we thank you today. Your word has the infinite ability to change us, and we pray that our our hearts and minds will be open to it today to do just that. Make us good leaders, Lord, leaders of people to you. And we pray that we'd be able to do that over and over and over again in this church, be able to teach others how to follow you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and everyone said, Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, I need to make sure you understand something. We try to do this almost every service. I try to, like, give you a little help when you're reading Scripture, when you're, when you're committing yourself to reading the Bible. The Bible is unlike any other book you've ever read because it has chapters and verses. You, you can't pick up a novel and tell somebody to flip the chapter 10 of the novel and verse 7. But the Bible is broken up like that, but it makes it a little bit difficult because we tend to read it in segmented parts. And so we read from 1 Corinthians, which was Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, and it's a whole letter. It's a whole letter meant to be read as a whole letter. Now, could you imagine like your best girl or your best guy writing you a letter, which nobody does anymore? Like who would actually sit down with a pen and write a letter, right? But let's say you did. And let's say you wrote a letter and you sent it to him. And you called him up the next day. You were excited for them to get it. I mean, you really poured your heart out into it. You, you were explaining some stuff. And then you explained how great they were. And, and you called, called them up to realize that they only had read a little bit of it. And they were a bit confused because they didn't understand what you're talking about. Because they only read a couple paragraphs. And you're like, why didn't you read the whole thing? You would have understood it. Well... I didn't have time to read the whole thing. So when we read letters that Paul wrote like that, sometimes we get it out of context because we're only reading segments of it. We don't read the whole letter. And so I would encourage you to try, when you're reading your Bible, to try, I'm not saying you have to read the whole book of 1 Corinthians at one time. Some of you are like, oh my goodness. But how about 
read 1 Corinthians and not move on until you read 1 Corinthians. Just go, hey man, I'm going to read this letter he wrote. And I'm going to look at it as a letter, not just chapters and verses. So what happens in this particular part of Paul's train of thought, it extends over into chapter 11. And so if you're just focused on chapter and verses, you, you're going to miss out on that because you're going to stop at chapter 10 and think it's over. And you're going to think chapter 11 starts a new train of thought, but it doesn't. So Paul is talking about that you have the ability to do whatever you, you, you have the freedom to do whatever you want, but not everything you, that you have the freedom to do is beneficial. Somebody say amen. amen. You have the freedom to say anything you want, but not anything you say is beneficial. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> so he, he does this, and then he sticks right in the middle of it, this talk about meat, sacrificed idols. And then, it, then right after that, he says, listen, whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And I'm not doing this for my own good. I'm doing it for the good of others. <clears throat> I will do whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes to introduce somebody to Christ. That's basically what he's saying. But if you stop there, you miss his last thought on that topic. You got to flip over to chapter 11, verse 1. He says, in the context of all that stuff, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So he's saying, here's how we're going to make disciples. These are some principles that we need to use to make disciples. And by the way, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So, I'm going to give you three steps. Don't you like it when it's three steps? Three steps. Because I believe there's a little bit of a pattern here that Paul sets in place for us to shape people. Now, this is very important for us because we're Americans, or we're Americans, depending on how you say it. Because we are the freest people on the planet, right? You could have woken up this morning, put some pink leotards on, man, walked out in your front yard, with a tutu and scream to the top of your lungs, I'm the greatest. <laughs> and you are free to do it. Freedom is amazing, isn't it? And as Americans, rightly so, we wear our freedom as a badge of honor. I am free to say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it. I'm free to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm free to do things that I, would, I can chart my own course in America. It is not like that in other countries. And so that's something we do. We're proud of it. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an Merc. And we, and we shun away from people who try to, right? It's like a rite of passage when you get to start making up your own mind. About that. I'm free to make up my own mind now. So Paul is addressing this whole idea of freedom in Christ. Because you got to remember that a lot of people are coming out of, uh, they're not living in circumstances which are free to do anything. And in Christ, all of a sudden, there's a freedom. You're not living under the law anymore. And so what he's doing is he's starting to set up a system so that we can disciple other people. And he's putting it in the context of freedom. So he starts talking about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct this from the end to the beginning. We're going to start off. In chapter 11, verse 1, at the end of this thought process, and say, and talk about how he says, Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How many of you know you're actually, you're actually being followed? I'm not talking about black helicopters followed. Like, 
government stuff, but that's probably true. Most all of us have influence over someone. And the reason I know that is because I've been around some of you a long time. You had toddlers at one time. And, and uh, Beth and I are around families with toddlers a lot. And here's what happens. Toddlers are sort of like parrots, right? They don't know what they're saying, but they're good at repeating it. So what happens is, is we have influence over three-year-olds and two-year-olds because uh, they end up repeating what we say. And it's so awesome uh, to be around kids that are like two and three because you actually hear things. And you hear kids use words that they don't know what they mean, but they use them in the right context. And you start going, wait a second, that kid doesn't even know what they're saying. How did they? And then the parrot walks in, and you go, hey, your kid was just saying, bleep, beep, beep. And the parent's like, I have no idea where they got that from. And you're going, uh huh, they didn't get it in church. <laughs> so we have influence, and people are watching us, and they're, and they're looking at you. Whether you like it or not, we're leading by default, right? You're always leading somebody. So what Paul does is he steps out on a limb here and he says, I'm inviting you to follow me as I follow Christ. Now in the church we use this term discipleship because Jesus told the disciples, his followers, when he ascended into heaven, right before he ascended into heaven, after he died and resurrected, he met with them one last time. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And and an easy word to use instead of disciples is followers. Go in all the world, make followers of Christ, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So we're we're, we're called and commissioned to make followers. Now, what has happened over the years is we... The, the church trend had been to just establish classes for things like this. Like if we could get you to go through through four classes, you know, 101, 102, or 205. I, I didn't make it very far in college, so I don't know how the number system works. But if we, if we get you to take four classes, then we rubber stamp that you're, that you're, you're a, a disciple now because you've completed all four classes. But you know what? I went to classes before and didn't learn anything. I figured out the way I learned something is by following people. Anybody else like that? Like if I'm with you and you do something and I get to see you do it, I can repeat it. Nine times out of ten. I'm wired that way. My son's wired that way. I, I, if I watch you tear something apart and put it back together, I got, man, I got all kinds of confidence. I can, I, I'm like, oh, I can do this. I watched them do it. I can do it. And so what Paul says is is you don't see him starting a bunch of rigid classroom structure things. You see him start a pattern of, hey, the way we're going to make disciples is you follow me. Now, I'm not walking around aimlessly. I'm following Christ. And so as I follow Christ, you follow me. And we're going to do this thing right here. I'm going to see what Jesus does, and I'm going to repeat that. And then you're going to watch me repeat what he does. You're going to do the same thing. Now, what... Now, what we've done is, in the church world over the years, we have relegated the the job of discipleship to a few teachers, when really the commission was for all of us. So we say, we're going to come to church, and and, and I'm going to bring Billy to church, and Billy's going to take a class, and then he's going to be a disciple. No, 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 no. I'm not against the class, but what, what he set up was for Billy to follow you. And you're like, oh, man. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for anybody to follow me. 
Do you hear the way my kids talk? What if they come over to my house? So Paul is saying, here's the example. Watch this. It's not complicated. I'm a follower of Christ. So the way we're going to create disciples is we're just going to invite people to follow behind us. Now, just in case you were nervous about this, Paul was not perfect. Matter of fact, the more, the more he gained his relationship with Christ, the more he realized how much of a sinner he was. Towards the end of his life, he called himself the chief of sinners. And so the, the prerequisite for having followers was not being perfect. The prerequisite for having followers was you following Christ. It was you saying, I'm going to follow him to the best of my ability, and I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm just going to take somebody with me. And so here we go. I'm going to follow him, and you're going to follow me. And we're just going to walk down this road together, all right? You're going to see me mess up. You're going to see me teach my kid cuss words. And you're going to see me do all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, you're also going to see grace and mercy. You're going to see God working in my life. Just follow me down the road a little ways. Now, here's the issue. Remember, we're deconstructing this from the end to the beginning. So Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. If you back up just a little bit, you realize... That his goal in following Jesus is not to get what he wants, but how can he bend his life to benefit others? He said, I'm not doing this for the sake of myself, but I'm doing it for the sake of others. How can I please everybody around me to the point that they will accept Christ? How can I become all things to all people that I may win a few, another translation says. So he's saying, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ, but the reason I can do that is because I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about you. Now, here's where the meat part comes in. I know you were just dying to find this out. Because doesn't it feel like it's just jammed in the middle? And you can do anything you want, but not everything's beneficial. You can do anything you want, but not everything is for the good. By the way, if you want to eat meat sacrificed to idols, have at it. And so it's hard for us to figure out what that means. Does that mean, like, there's a guy in the back of the Walmart, like, casting spells over my ribeye and and I buy it and and then I'm like nervous about the devil getting in me after I eat it. It's not what he's talking about. In that culture, in Jewish culture, before Jesus, there was a a tradition, a, a command of God actually in the tabernacle, in the temple, that they would sacrifice meat, bulls and and rams and all kinds of uh uh, sheep and stuff like that, they would sacrifice it to the Lord. It was a symbolic gesture to say that we understand our sin and we're providing an atonement for it because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the Bible says. So that's why Jesus came, shed his blood in, in place of us. So what happens is it was in the Jewish culture that this would happen. Now, in pagan culture, they would sacrifice animals to little g gods. Our God is a big G. Capitalized, big G, bold, italicized, whatever you wanted to, big, the only God. So they would, they would sacrifice meat in these pagan rituals to little g gods that don't actually exist. Now, where people were getting tripped up was this. Paul says... If you go to the market and you buy meat that was sacrificed to an idol 
And you don't have a problem with it because when you sit down, you're going to thank God for it and you're going to give God glory for it and that sacrifice to an idol doesn't mean anything to you. Then he said, eat till your heart's content. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody eat me some bacon. Right? But then Paul throws in this and this is where it gets a bit tricky. He said, listen, if somebody invites you to their house and you want to go, I love how he puts the caveat in there. If somebody invites you to their house and you want to go, you're like, eh, even if they have beef, I'm not going. (laughs) So if somebody invites you to the house and you want to go and they're serving meat like that and it's fine, just eat it. Eat whatever's put in front of you. But if you go to someone else's house and they say there's no way we're going to eat meat sacrificed to idols in this house. He says, don't eat it. And the first thing we think about in America is hypocritical. Well, you'll eat meat, not sacrifice to idols in this occasion, but you won't eat it in this occasion. Well, that's a hypocrite. That's you're, you're not, you're not, you're not the same all the time. You're, you're playing to one party and then the other, and you're doing this and then that, and you'll eat meat one time and won't eat it the next. Here's what Paul is saying. Watch this. So remember, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be living for Christ as best I can, and then I'm going to focus on you. And I'm not focused on myself. I'm focusing on you. So I'm going to lead a life that you can follow. Now, what that means in America is that we have freedoms that we can express ourselves in ways that oftentimes don't make it easy for people to follow us. Mm. You see, Paul was saying that if your freedom affects somebody else to the point where they stumble, then you shouldn't exercise that freedom. So he said, listen, if the guy you're with has no problem eating meat sacrificed to idols, I don't either. You're going to give thanks for it. You're going to give God honor and glory for it. And you're going to eat it and it's going to be good. Yum. But if you're sitting with somebody that does have an issue of conscience with it, that in their mind they say, I can't do this, then don't argue with them, just don't eat it. It's fine. He said it's not about your conscience, it's about them. And so you don't want to become a stumbling block to them because remember, you said you wanted them to follow you to Jesus. So now watch. Watch how this works. Watch how this works. You ever been around anybody that said, man, I just give them a piece of my mind. I, I just say what I think. Do you always have to do that? Sometimes I think people give away too much of their mind. And I'm like, well, you, should, you should ask for some of it back, really. It would help. Like you've given so many pieces of your mind away that it doesn't even make sense anymore. So just get it all back and let's start over. The issue is this. Is it possible for my freedom of speech to make it difficult for for somebody to follow me to Christ? Oh, come on. We're in a heightened political climate nowadays, aren't we? Mm, I know you're right. I have no doubt. I I know you're right all the time about politics. I know you've done the research. You're you're right. Look at your neighbor. Just do it. It'll be a calming experience for us. Look at your neighbor right now. Look him dead in the eyes and just tell him, you're right. Just tell him you're right. Just say you're right. Now here's the issue. Watch this. 
I have had people call me, call me at the office about politics, and they'll say, why didn't you come down on this? Why didn't you, why weren't you more strong about this? Why didn't you do this? Why did you should, you're, uh, you're ambiguous. And I'm like, ain't nobody ever accused me of that before. You're ambiguous and you're, you won't land on this or land on that. And my response to them all the time is that I follow politics more than anyone I know. I read and read and read and I listen and I watch and I listen and I watch and I read. And sometimes my head explodes over it. But what I realized my ultimate goal was, was not to convert people to a political system. It was to be the pastor of Democrats and Republicans. So, if my freedom in following Christ creates a stumbling block for the guy behind me, I should probably give up my freedom. So that's when Paul says, listen, are you free to eat meat sacrificed to idols? He's like, eat it till you puke. I don't care. But if you eating that meat causes the guy behind you to have an issue, don't eat it. Could we please use this filter for Facebook? If we, could just, if we could just take 30 seconds and go, God, the freedom I have to post anything I want on this social media platform, I'm getting ready to filter it through. Will this be beneficial, not to me, but for the person walking behind me? Will the freedom I'm getting ready to express help the people following me or hurt them? So if it won't help them, I refuse to exercise that freedom. Ah, come on. He said, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for other people. It's all through Paul's writings. It's all through his writings. He writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Facebook. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. I'm following Christ, and the person behind me is worth more than my freedoms. Come on. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above yourself. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. Did you hear what Paul said? I try to please everyone in every way. This isn't about me. This is about, can I make one more disciple? Can I make one more follower of Christ? Can I introduce one more person to Jesus in a way that they will accept him as their Lord and Savior? And me and my freedom not become the stumbling block for them getting there. You know, I've had the privilege of traveling a good bit. And one of the things you find out is your American freedom stops at the country you're in. Oh yeah, you get locked up in other countries for stuff we just... Poke, poke our chest out about here. And what I've found is that oftentimes I'll be in another country and, um, you know, like I, I like certain types of food, just like you do. I, I like red meat, barely cooked. It's a beautiful thing God created. And uh, you don't have to cook it to death. Just warm it up a little bit, sear it on both sides, and it's a, just a party in my mouth. It's wonderful. So what happens is when I travel, uh, you can't eat meat like that. 
But I don't sit at the church I'm at and go, I can't believe you guys cooked this thing to death. Because that, those people might have just killed the only chicken they have to bring it to me. And so what you start to realize real quick, the freedom I have where I could say, I'm not going to eat this. I'm American. I don't eat tough chicken. You keep your mouth shut and you eat it anyway. And you put a smile on your face and you go, this is the best chicken I have ever eaten. Why? Because we're following him. It's not about whether it tastes good to me. See, you thought following Jesus was all about you. You thought following Jesus was all about getting your needs met. You thought following Jesus was all about how it tastes to you. You thought it was all about how easy this is for me. And what Paul said, this isn't me following him isn't about me. It's about the guy behind me. And so I'm willing to forego comfort. I'm willing to forego freedoms. I'm willing to forego things that I could demand. I'm willing to forego all those things because the guy meeting, the guy behind me meeting the guy in front of me is more important than all that stuff. And if the church could figure that out, he said, I do all kinds of things to please everybody, whether Jews, if I'm around the Jews, I won't eat pork. How does he do that? If I'm around the Greeks, I'll do whatever they do. I'll I'll immerse myself in their culture. It's fine. They're eating meat sacrificed to idols. I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm going to thank God for it. And I'm going to lead them to the same God that I'm leading the Jews to. So here's what happens. What we do, especially in America, is we flaunt our freedoms at the cost of the people we're trying to lead. And we, and we say what we think and we post what we think and we're, and we're always right in politics and everybody else is wrong. I'm going to say something shocking here. There's people you disagree with politically that are going to heaven. You're like, there's no, yes, there is. Yes, there is. So my freedom stops at the other person stumbling. What, what, what will I be willing to give up to make sure the other person follows all the way? You know, I was thinking of, a, trying to think of another example of this. I was thinking about our military. It's a volunteer force, right? Nobody's forcing anybody to serve. Maybe some parents forcing, like, you're getting out of the house one way or the other. But nobody's forcing anybody to serve. But what happens is when you join the military, you're not free anymore. You're going to show up when they tell you to show up. You're going to eat what they tell you to eat. You're going to sleep when they tell you to sleep. And you're going to move when they tell you to move. That's not freedom. But there's a huge amount of people in our society that will give up their freedom for the benefit of the person behind them. They will willingly say, I will be told what to do for a long time in order to benefit somebody else. I will give up my freedom of speech. You realize in the military, you can't just say anything that you want to say. You can't just, do, you can't just call up the officer. You can't call up the lieutenant and say, hey, man, you know what? I was out late last night. I don't think I'll make it in today. You know, if you cover for me, that'd be great. He's going to say, blank, 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 get in here. Right? So there, it's... It's a, it's a great example of going, okay, I care enough about the person behind me to give up freedom, willingly give up some of my freedom 
so they could benefit for it. That's why Paul says suffer is a good soldier. He said this isn't only for your benefit. This is for the benefit of others. This is for the benefit of others. Now watch this. So he said, be an example to follow. People are following you. Let's lead them to Jesus. Be the example. Step two, he said, live for the benefit of others. This is about, not about everything, my freedoms and what I'm allowed to do. This is about, is it beneficial to the people I'm leading? Is it beneficial to my family? Is it beneficial to my wife? Is it beneficial to the people that I'm trying to tell Jesus, tell, tell about Jesus? Then this last thing he talks about in verse 31. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do. So if you eat the meat, fine. If you don't eat the meat, fine. If you go to the house to eat dinner, fine. If you don't, fine. But whatever you do, do it to the glory of the Lord. So whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now watch. I like patterns, right? I like patterns. So that, so that I see a pattern here. Because in, in the Gospels, Jesus said that the two greatest commandments were love the Lord your God. With all that you are. Heart, soul, everything. Strength, everything. Your mind, everything. Love God with everything you have. And then the next one was, love your name. Oh, wait a second. It seems like the whole thing fits together now, doesn't it? So he said, love God with everything you have. What did he just say here? He says, whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, Sleep, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Love God with everything you have. Do it for the glory of God. Right? Then then Paul says, not for the benefit of you, but for the benefit of others. And Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love them as much as you love you. Which some of you love you a lot. Like, I love me so much. Just look in the mirror, love me. So, so what we see is a pattern. Okay, how can I be somebody that can follow? Now let's go from the top down. I can love God with everything. Whatever I do, I do it for the glory of God. Also, whatever I do, I do it for the benefit of others, not myself. And so all of a sudden, now I'm an example people can follow. Do you get that? So it's a pattern that's set up in Scripture over and over and over again. Where in order to create disciples, in order to make followers of Christ, we have to love God with everything and then love people more than we love ourselves. And then all of a sudden, people can follow you. It's not rocket science, church. It's not about you being perfect. It's not about, it's not about you hitting it out of the park every time. It's about an honest assessment of your life going, 
Okay, I'm going to love God with everything I have. I'm going to put him as a focus of my life. I'm walking towards Christ, not away from him. I'm taking a step every day. I'm going to learn how to feed myself. I'm going to learn how to, how, to, how, to, how to let him direct my steps. I'm going towards Christ. Okay, what's the next step? Love my neighbor is myself. I'm going to not do it for my benefit, but I'm going to do it for the benefit of the guy following me. So that means I'll curtail my freedoms. I'll do whatever. And now I'm going to walk a path that benefits not just me, but him. And so, oh, here's the pattern. Now all of a and I've loved God and I've loved others so now I can be followed. It's not a class. It's not a class. It's a lifestyle. It's not a class. It's a come along, buddy. And I seem to remember where Paul got this from because he remembered that Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, come follow me. He just said, hey, come follow me. What are we going to do? I figured out. Just come follow me. And the Bible says that Peter dropped his nets that day. Left everything he had and followed Christ. I want to give you some confidence today. I believe you're just the person that others could follow to Jesus. You don't give yourself enough credit in that area. You think, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not up to it. I just can't. I don't know. You know, I'm not outgoing. I'm not this. You're just the person God needs for somebody to follow to him. Come follow me and I'll teach you how to do it. And Paul, all through his life, is repeating over and over and over again. Hey, it's not hard, guys. Just come on, follow. Come on. Come on. Get on the boat. Get on the boat. Let's go. Come on, follow us. Follow us. What does he do? He raises Timothy up later on and he says, hey, come, come, Timothy, repeat what you see me say, what you hear me saying. Repeat what you see me doing. Teach him the same things. Follow me because I'm following Christ. See, I actually believe you can knock it out of the park. I actually believe you can knock it out of the park. And here's why. Because you have a, you have a head start. All right, the band's going to come up. I'm going to leave you with this. You got a head start. Here's why. Because Paul said that he would do whatever it took. He said, I'll become all things to all people so I can win people to Christ. Like whatever. I'll be as accommodating as any human being could ever be accommodating. So he said, I'll give up whatever I have to give up. I'll accommodate whatever I have to accommodate. I'll do what I'll eat, whatever I have to eat. Uh, Whatever it is, I'll do it in order to introduce people to Christ. Have them follow him. So watch. You already have a head start because you come to an accommodating church. I was hoping you agree with that. None of you are wearing ties this morning. None of you are wearing ties this morning. You didn't get a dirty look when you walked in with a t-shirt on. Like he wore a t-shirt again today. Definitely not a Jesus lover. I mean that. So here's the thing. What's more important? Like I have actually sat in front of people that said the last time I went to church was 20 years ago. I walked in with a sundress on. Not this church. Thank the Lord. I walked into a church 20 years ago. I walked in with a sundress on. I heard somebody say, I can't believe she wore that to church. You have the freedom to say that? Absolutely. You got the freedom to say that. 
Will that cause somebody to stumble? Absolutely. And for that woman, it took the death of her son to enter into a church again. I don't want that to happen. So can I curtail my opinion? Can I curtail? How accommodating can I be for somebody to come to the gospel? If you look at the life of Jesus, man, he accommodated sinners, didn't he? To the point that he got ridiculed for it. He said, we're going to Zacchaeus' house today and we're going to eat and drink together. We're going to have a good time and we're going to learn about Zacchaeus and what he's going through. And, and what did he get called for? He didn't get called accommodating. He said, they said, he eats and drinks with sinners. He's at, a, he's at a dinner with a group of Pharisees and a prostitute walks in and is comfortable washing his feet in front of everybody. How accommodating is that? My wife would have flipped out. He accommodated those that needed help. He accommodated those that needed a doctor. He didn't see say He said, I didn't come for those that had it all together. I'm accommodating those that need saved. And so the church misses it sometimes and we accommodate the people that already think they have it all together when what, he, when what the real gospel is about is accommodating those that their lifestyle is crazy. And we go, hey, listen, listen, just come on in. Come on in. We don't have it all figured out, but we're going to follow Christ and you can just fall in line and do what we do. It's fine. Come on. Just come on. Hey, I'm sorry we don't wear ties. It's a little more accommodating. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that it looks like it does, but it's just a little more accommodating for people that need Jesus. So just come on behind me and we'll. And as I follow him, you follow me, okay? Okay. I'll hold your hand if you need me to, but just keep walking. Come on. It's a little bit closer. A little bit. He's up here. And before you know it, we're creating followers of Christ. I'll do whatever it takes, Paulson. He's following the example Jesus laid for us. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, I'm God's son. There ain't no way I'm hanging on that cross. What he said was he'd give up all of the things that he had with the Father. He said, I'll give it all up. And I'll come to earth. And I'll die for you. I'll give up my freedom as God. I'll give up my place. I'll give up everything for your sake. I'll be the most accommodating God ever. And he did it for us. And I think we should follow his example and do it for others. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's pray that way together this morning. I don't know what it would be for you. I don't know if it's the way you treat other people or the comments you make. I don't know if it's if it's you're being accommodating to the way other people think or their lifestyle or something, you won't even have a conversation with somebody about it. But I, my prayer is today that this church would forever be a place where people far from Christ could come in and see people genuinely trying to follow Christ and then just get behind us. And we could just invite them in and say, come on, come on, just start following, just start following. Come on, Jesus is up at the end of the road. Just start following. Come on, we don't want to introduce you to somebody that can change your life forever. Amen? Can we pray that way this morning? Father, I ask that you give us the boldness, the courage to become people that others can follow. I pray that you would, I pray that you would help us to set aside our freedom for the sake of others. I pray that our whole life wouldn't be just about benefiting us, but the people you've called us to serve. And I know that if we do our part, you will never fail us. 
that Lord, when we introduce people to you, that you will be exactly who you promised, that you will do exactly what you promised. And Lord, I pray for a great harvest. I pray that there be a many, many people that will come to know you because of the people that are in here right now. That they make themselves available. They'd be leaders of people to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.